previously on the Simply Human Podcast. So two things. So one, if there's a nuclear holocaust, we know that instead of jumping out of bed and protecting your family, you're going to put your sleep mask on and go back to sleep. This is actually like a good, like a, a good ambient story why it's <laughs> terrible for you. It's episode 12 of the Simply Human Podcast with your host, Mark Rogers, a human being being human. My goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it's a conversation with not just one, but two experts on how to be a more healthy human, Jim Laird and Molly Galbraith of J&M Strength and Conditioning. Then it's another hilarious edition, hopefully, of the Humans Being Human segment with a short essay written and read aloud by yours truly. And we'll wrap up with our Simply Human Tip of the Week. You can probably uh, guess that I've kind of coming out of a cold here and my voice sounds very weird. And so hopefully it won't be too much of a distraction. So find me online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. There are links to the Facebook page, YouTube channel, and Simply Human Kids page, among many other things on the website. Follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52, and you can email me questions, concerns, comments at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. So without further ado, here's Jim and Molly, where we talk about getting more out of less, adult bookstores, babies, beast mode, group fitness classes, misfits, 10,000 pitches, recovering from a C-section, and being more mindful to enjoy life. Here we go. All right. Joining me on the Simply Human podcast, two people that uh, I am uh, very, very happy to that said yes. I've had lots of people uh, politely tell me no. Uh, Dave Asprey sent me a bag of Bulletproof coffee uh, with his no, which is great. But I'm so glad that Molly Galbraith and Jim Laird said yes. Uh, they are with J&M Strength and Conditioning, uh, and, and I'll let them sort of tell you the, the listeners who they are and uh, what they do. Uh, and so really, Jim and Molly, I really appreciate you guys being on the show. And uh, if you all would just each kind of give your bio and then we'll go from there. Thank you, go, you very much, Mark, for having us on. Yeah, I'll go first. That's no problem. Um, my name is Jim Laird and, and I've been a strength and conditioning coach for, for, a, for a fairly long time. I, I started off in, in college. I played every sport you can imagine. Um, I worked at Liberty University for a few years and went to the University of Arizona and ended up meeting a guy named Jim Windler. If you're into like weightlifting and 531, uh, Jim became a good friend of mine and pretty much is the reason why I'm in Lexington, Kentucky now. I've been here since 2001. And basically, I've kind of made a career out of teaching people how to get more out of less. And, um, you know, through my own battle with autoimmune disease, ulcerative colitis, I kind of, I was elite level powerlifter and I drove myself into the ground, not necessarily through training, but through my lifestyle, through not sleeping enough, not taking care of myself, not doing enough, um, you know, working in, I call it, uh, basically ended up with autoimmune disease. And, um, so I've spent, uh, with, with Molly, we both, we opened up JM strength and conditioning a number of years ago, and we spent the last three or four years focusing on teaching people how to take better care of themselves, uh, overall, as far as incorporating strength training, and our main uh, our main focus group is is women. Although I've worked with everything from professional athletes to you know major league baseball players to professional you know NFL guys to everything you can imagine. But my main focus group is 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 helping educate women that 
they need to strength train. So that's basically um, me in a nutshell. I got to give Molly plenty of time for her bio because it's much more interesting than mine. (laughs) (laughs) So go ahead, Molly. (laughs) I don't know about that. Um, Yeah, so I guess uh, long story short, I was a gymnast and cheerleader growing up, um, which is kind of funny. I was saying earlier, I'm almost 5'11", and I've dabbled in powerlifting as well. So I have an affinity for picking sports that are horrible for my body type. I'm like, sure, I've got a 6'2 wingspan. Why can't I bench press? Um, But yeah, so I was a cheerleader and gymnast um, growing up. And then at the end of high school and college, I became very sedentary. Around 2004, I remember just kind of hitting a wall wall and being like, okay, my, you know, I'm working 40 hours a week. I'm taking 18 hours in school. I'm, you know, doing a sorority. I'm, you know, have all these friends, everything's great, but like, why am I unhappy? And I was unhappy because I didn't like the way that I looked or the way that I felt. And the funny part is, is that that's the one thing that you pretty much have control over, you know, barring any major diseases or issues. Um, is, you know, what you do with your body and what you put in your mouth. And that was what felt so out of control. And so I decided that I wanted to get in shape and I had no clue what getting in shape meant, but it sounded really good. So that's what I decided I wanted to do. And I hired a trainer and worked out with him for a little while and got some results, but didn't really see huge results because I wasn't, you know, changing my nutrition as I would find out later. Or I was changing it, but I was switching from fast food to like, you know, these triple decker turkey sandwiches and, and, you know, fat free yogurt and Gatorade and things like that. Um, and so again, my results were, were minimal. And then about six or eight months into working out, I started dating a guy who was a trainer at the gym and that was Jim's roommate. And Jim had a lot of influence on this guy at the time and his training. And so I was kind of introduced to heavy lifting, to power lifting. Um, 2005, I, I kind of randomly did a push pull meet. I just did the deadlift portion, did that kind of on a whim for fun and ended up pulling like 285 I think and then uh, in 2006, seven and eight, I ended up competing in figure again, the boyfriend that I was dating did both powerlifting and bodybuilding. And so I kind of got interested in figure. And then after my last show in 2008, it was the spring of 2009 and I had ballooned up. My weight had skyrocketed. I felt like garbage. I could, I was, you know, 24 years old and could hardly get up off the couch to get a drink of water from the kitchen. And, um, and I ended up going to the doctor, was diagnosed with um, autoimmune disease. I have Hashimoto's, which is uh, hypothyroidism, PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, and um, adrenal dysfunction. So uh, as I was saying earlier, um, if you don't slow down, your body will slow you down. And that's precisely what my body did. I had pushed myself too far, too hard for too long. And my body's like, yeah, I think we're just going to go ahead and uh, and shut things down. And so around that same time was when Jim got diagnosed with his ulcerative colitis. And so we were both going through a hard time. And um, at that point, he was going through some changes in his personal or his work life as well. And he decided that he wanted to be able to help more people. You know, the economy had tanked a couple of years before and he decided, you know, hey, I think if I open my own place and do, you know, more group type stuff, I can help more people um, and, you know, and just make a bigger difference. And he asked for my help. And so I came in and helped him. And we started that about three and a half years ago. And we went from renting space at um, another gym to working out of an adult video store <laughs> to <laughs> nice. we literally like the, the, adult, the adult, adult video store store. wasn't functioning at the time we were there. No, it, no, it no, no, no. Yeah, business, exactly. I just, yeah, Much just of this chagrin of all of your male clients. Clar- clarify that one right there. For <laughs> yes, us, Molly, we did. Sorry, we did triple Stephen clean the carpets, but we had, that was all we could afford. You know, we, right. we rented space from 
from this. Uh, I'm sorry, there's a train going by right now. We rented space from this um, this old adult video store, and then you know, fast forward to where we are now. We've been in our current location for over a year. It's almost 8,000 square feet. We've got well over 200 uh, clients, and you know, we've got other things that we'll talk about. Probably train like a girl, and I've got girls gone strong, and we're just kind of rocking and rolling and doing what we can to reach and help as many people as possible get fit and healthy in a sane kind of manner so cool yeah and, and my listeners and anyone that knows me will now understand why i reached out to you guys because you sort of both have gone through what i uh, have gone through and that's why i sort of uh, connect with you guys because like you just come to the point where you're just like what i'm doing everything i'm supposed to be doing i'm you know i'm, I'm running 10 miles on saturday mornings and 30 40 miles a week and why am i you know too tired to take my kids to the park and you know so yeah so in, in the, uh, the mission statement for you for J&M Strength and Conditioning is uh, the J&M Strength and Conditioning strives to optimize both the health and performance of its clients. I love this. Through intelligent training, quality nutrition, and adequate rest and recovery. So there's the three pillars, three of the four pillars of the Simply Human Lifestyle right there. And we're going to really focus on the move like a human pillar. And Jim, you said something earlier. You said the phrase more out of less. So explain why, like, the mentality in today's culture is, that's okay, that's cheating. The only way to really do it is to go spend <laughs> an hour on the treadmill or two hours on the treadmill or I've got to train for, you know, a, an ultra marathon in order to be healthy. Like, what? why is more, the more out of less mentality, like, not cheating and it's perfectly fine? Well, it's just, <clears throat> I think the main thing that comes from is our culture. You know, they think the more is better. Uh, pretty much bleeds into everything. But, you know, I think people forget that our body is, is not necessarily a machine. It's an organism. But you can compare it to a car, and there's an optimal amount that you drive a car. You know, if you drive a car too much, it breaks down more. If you drive a car, you don't drive a car at all, it rots too. And human beings are more or less the same way. If you if you drive your, your body really, really, really hard, the chances of it breaking are higher and some people will break sooner and some people will never break because their genetics and their the way they're set up some people are just made to handle more stress or some people take care of themselves a lot better uh, and can handle more stress and then you have other people that they don't drive at all and and they rot so you got to find that that sweet spot and and most of it is based on your body's ability to recover. And if you look at a baby like how babies develop you want to talk about movement babies start on their back Okay, they play with their feet and that is what gets them stronger at that point. And then once they're done playing with their feet and waving their hands in the air, then they roll, they roll over. Okay, so babies and then they'll 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 roll, they'll put their hand up in the air. They do something like almost looks like a Turkish get up and they'll flip themselves over and they'll start like crawling and then they'll get up, you know, to their knees. And then the baby never jumps way far ahead beyond its progression. And, and that's what people don't understand is that. Yeah, you can drive yourself, you know, to some extreme, you know, levels of performance and and all sorts of other things, but you have to give your body what it can handle at the time. And I think people get so caught up in the in the, you know, I got to do more, I got to do more, I got to do more. They don't understand. They forget the fact that they're a living organism that can only handle so much stress. Um, so, you know, we want stuff that's sustainable. And then if you have some performance goals, health health isn't your number one priority. Um, then it's about, you know, some of the professional athletes that train, you know, that there's difference when you're getting paid several million dollars a year. Health isn't your number one priority, but you're getting paid for that. Right. You know, that professional athletes die, die younger, but they get paid. And so we educate people on, 
you know, you're running all these marathons. If that's what you really love to do, great. So let's think of a smarter way we can do that by running shorter distances, doing some strength training, you know, taking some time off. Um, and most people will come to us and go, right, you're running a marathon to get in shape. Well, honestly, that's probably the worst choices you can make orthopedically. You're not getting paid millions of dollars to do it. And they go, do you do it because you love it? No, I do it because I think it's going to make me healthy. Well, then we need to pick you a different activity. Right. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of, um, I think it just the whole Western culture, more is better, more drugs, more, more this, more that, you know, it, if you're taking a pill, you know, if one pill works great, three's got to work better. Um, you know, if I work six hours, well, if I work 10 hours, it'll even be, it'll even be better. Right. Instead of thinking about getting the most out of less, you know, like doing more quality work, you know, spending 15 or 20 minutes working on just working on your email instead of trying to do eight things at once. Right. Um, you know, that's kind of our philosophy and it kind of bleeds over into everything. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, that, the whole, the, the more thing it's like I'm writing working on an article right now about like how options like options are great through in any genre but options have really sort of ruined a lot of things like you know like look at like marriages like when you have uh you know like the prearranged marriages when in like you live in a tribe and there might be only one or two other people that might be a, a spouse to you you know then you don't have like the divorce rates and you don't have then you then you go to the grocery store and you see all the options for all the different foods, but if you lived out in the, you know, the mountains, there you you have like a you know a few things that you can eat. <laughs> so I think that you know that's kind of going back to that. You know, let's just let's just get it back to the simplify, and and that's where we're going to find our ultimate health. And Molly, I uh, I want to ask you this. Um, I have a friend who uh, was in school with me, and we've we've stayed in touch. And her husband and I played uh, here at, at the university together, and. Uh, he actually went to K State first, so he was actually really good, whereas I wasn't <laughs> wasn't very good. And uh, and so she is like has this mindset where she's like a spin instructor, and she teaches all these these um, body pump and pump, all yeah. these classes, and she does like seven or eight a week, and sometimes three in a day. And she just texted me this weekend and was like, "Oh, I'm I'm a thousand percent burned out," because she'll always like bumps ideas off me and stuff and so mm -hmm. she's like i'm a thousand percent burned out and i was like oh, okay good I, like i'm thinking okay you're you're finally sort of figuring out this yeah this deal. and i was like okay have, have you talked to nick about kind of what i've done because i've been known as the iron man guy for so long that now it's like wait what you like i had a shaved completely shaved head and a shaved face and i had this like big beard and this like long hair it's like i'm like completely changed <laughs> so uh hmm. so i was like have you have you uh, talked to Nick about what I'm doing now? She was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, he told me all about that. I'm definitely not into the conversational pace stuff. I'm still, I'm still down for beast mode. And I was oh like, okay, uh, that's, that's fine. So, uh, and, you know, I, I, I can talk to her like this. I was like, uh, you know, when you, when you are broken, come, come back to me and, and I'll, I'll try to help fix you. So, like, what do you – so I, I say all that to ask you, like, how do you sort of combat that mindset, especially with, with women – that they've got to just the only way to have their the figure that they want is to just spend all their time sweating right um well like you said you oh goodness i'm hearing a little feedback um so like you said she she needs to come back to you when she's broken and that's the thing i mean you can you can lead the horse to water all you want but you can't you know you can't make him drink and um it's you know, it's really challenging because that is what's kind of been pounded into our head. But the one question that I've asked over and over again that's really helped the light bulb kind of go off for a lot of women 
is how's that working for you? And it's a really simple question. It may seem like a really obvious question, but they're reaching out to you for a reason. And so women will come to me and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm not losing the fat that I want. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I'll say, okay, well, what are you doing? And they'll tell me and I'll say, okay, well, you need to back off on this, back off on that. They say, I can't. And I say, why? Because I'll get fat. And I'm like, well, why are you you coming to me in the first place? Because it's not working, right? Right. Like, how's that? Like, if if you don't want to change what you're doing right now, then it must be working perfectly, correct? And they're kind of like, well, uh, no. And it's like, okay, well then, you know, and you just kind of have to put it back in their face and say, you know, and and you also have to do it, um, do it really slowly. I wrote an article, it's called Bust Through Your Fat Loss Plateau. And a woman had reached out to me and yeah, she was working out, you know, multiple times a day, every day, pretty much. And she was down to like 1200 calories and she was, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I, it's a three part series. And in one, I address her lifestyle in another, I address her nutrition and in a third, I address her, her kind of exercise. Um, and I, and I just have her start off really slowly. I have her cut back, you know, one or two of her spin classes a week. And then I have her pull back on doing something else. And then I have her add a day of strength training. And so you kind of have to do it slowly to help them earn, you know, to, to, to earn their trust. But a fantastic example is a woman who's actually in the misfits, the group of women that Jim coaches, um, through powerlifting, she's my cousin. When she came to us, she was down from about 250 pounds to about 180 pounds. She'd lost 70 pounds on her own. She was working out about 13 to 14 times a week. So some days she was doing, you know, three a day, some days one a day, two a day. And, um, and she was stuck at this plateau and we told her like, you are doing way too much. And so Jim kind of compromised with her on her training. He's like, okay, you can still do this and this, but I want you to cut back this and this. And very slowly over the last couple of years, we've, you know, pulled out all of her extra crazy training sessions. So she's down to training three to four days a week now. Um, I worked with her on nutrition. We got her calories up well over 2000. Um, she's a vegetarian too, or, you know, she eats some fish. I guess she's a pescatarian. So that was presented some challenges, but yeah, we've gotten her calories up well over 2000. We've cut her training back to about three to four days a week. And she does, you know, walks her dogs and does some farm work and stuff on the other days. Um, and her results have been nothing short of phenomenal. She looks absolutely amazing. She's my height and she's about 170 now and she's a lean 170 and, you know, she's strong and she feels better and she's, you know, getting more sleep and taking better care of herself. And, and so, you know, it just shows like it, you know, more is not always better. And it was really scary for her because that was what had always worked, you know, in her mind, you know, super low calories and a crap ton of training is what had worked. But I mean, eventually it's going to stop working. Your metabolism is going to chase your you know, your intake and your expenditure and what was once a deficit will no longer be a deficit. Right. And, you know, you've got to, you've got to nourish your body. You know, she wasn't getting nearly enough food for it to be able to function the way it's supposed to function. Right. Yeah. I've got another buddy. Well, and she was, was, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Well, she was also so addicted to that endorphin high and Mm -hmm. she was using up all her resources. So the only time she felt good was when she was kicking her own. Right. And, you know, it's funny, the worst thing about the spinning instructors and the body pump instructors is they have to do the class with the class. And so they're using up even more resources because they're having to set an example and they're having to set the pace. Right. So I've seen, you would not believe the number of aerobics instructors I've seen, you know, Zumba instructors I've seen that are taking pain pills and, and taking, you know, and I, and I fell into this too. Like I was taking, you know, when I wasn't sleeping enough and taking care of myself, I was popping ephedra and all that stuff so I could keep training. 
you know, and, and these you've got these aerobics instructors that are popping fat burners and and pain, and pain pills because they're they're in so much pain, but they they're pushing through because they're like, I gotta teach this class and I gotta lead you know lead the class. And when you know, with me just coaching, when I've got five or six people in the gym at once, or we're coaching a class, Molly can tell you this: when you're coaching twenty people, it wears you out. Yeah, you know, and so add having to work out i couldn't imagine having to dance around for an hour it's unbelievable <laughs> and then they're and then they're eating light lettuce and and yeah. uh you Sunflower know lettuce seeds. And, and celery and non-fat greek yogurt on top of that i mean if you talk about using all your energy up i mean it's like all their resources all their hormones are going towards just surviving the class right so yeah. there's no hormones left for anything else and you know, and some people get really skinny when they're under stress, and some yeah. people, some people get fatter. You know, so it all depends on the person. Yeah, and it's like uh, I normally like in the fall. This is the first year, and actually, why the the Dallas Marathon was canceled this year because of the ice. And I've run the Dallas Marathon either the full or the half every year since '06. And I just, I you know, this year I wasn't going to do it, and I'm, I'm not doing any endurance stuff for like at least another year. And and uh, but it, like normally in the fall. I would go out on Saturday morning, you know, before college game day, I would get my 10 to 20 mile run in. And so then you're, oh just, my goodness. Then you're just like wasted the rest of the day. And so what I've really enjoyed about this fall in like on Saturdays is like I have energy to like <laughs> do stuff yeah. the rest of the day. Like you feel good. Yeah. We have a client same way. She was seeing a trainer who was just absolutely destroying her, you know, and she's a mother of five kids. She's got twins and triplets and she was just getting absolutely destroyed by this trainer and was having a hard time functioning the next day, you know, would just kind of want to lock herself in a room all day you know, on Sundays because she was so spent from what was happening to her. And another one of the misfits was, uh, did, um, marathon running and stuff before she got into powerlifting. And, you know, she kind of wore, wore her training as a badge of honor. She said like, Oh, I loved it when people told me how crazy I was for going out and running 15 miles in 20 degree weather, you know, yeah. cause if people get their significance from that, yeah. I mean, you said you've been labeled the Ironman guy, like, you know, on some level it gets you attention Absolutely. and it gives you a, yeah. a feeling of sig significance and mattering. And, you know, people care enough to care about what you're doing and um that can be really addictive too when you get known as that crazy person that yeah. lifts all that weight or that crazy person that does all this exercise or like you know you're a spin instructor and you spend four times yeah. a day it's and like everyone's you, you know that. thinks yeah. yeah people thrive on that it's, it's how it's what makes them feel significant it can be really scary and hard to give that up yeah and that's why i like this the two months that i took off from i guess uh uh, July and August, that was really hard. That two months was just like sort of a lot of soul searching on, okay, why am I doing this stuff? And do I really like doing, you know, you just, and that's the thing you just have to, like Saib is really great about this in his book, The Paleo Coach, which I'll link to in the show notes, but it's like, you really have to look inside and define what your motivations are uh, before you do anything. So I, I want to talk about the misfits. I want you to explain that, but before we do that, I want Jim to answer the question what is a healthy human movement pattern? Like what is, how does a healthy human move? I think you look at a toddler, you know, you look at somebody who's two or three full and they can go into a deep squat. They can crawl. They can, they can, uh, they can hinge. You roll like a two or two, a three or four year old. Um, you roll, uh, a, like a 10 pound medicine ball. They hinge perfectly with no training. Um, they, they can jump and play and, and move around in all sorts of different directions, and then we and then we put them in a desk and basically ruin them. And put big shoes um, on them. Yeah, that's ruin their Achilles. <laughs> yeah, ruin everything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Like it's it's really scary because we are seeing uh, many of the kids that we see now move 
do not move as well as a lot of our clients in our 40s and 50s. And, you know, and, and I, it's really scary because the, the, we're actually regressing. Right. Um, we're going backwards, you know, and, and um, it's, you know, you were talking about the barefoot running is regressing. And, and, and it's true. Like the, the kids we have today, and that's why you're going to see an epidemic in orthopedic injuries, not only because more people are playing the sport, but kids are specializing and they're peaking earlier. Right. Um, and so, you know, like Mike Robertson posted a great, if you don't know Mike Robertson, you want to follow him on the internet. He's a really great strength coach and friend up in Indianapolis. And he posted a thing that the average baseball pitcher has 10,000 pitches before he hurts his elbow or shoulder or something along those lines. These kids are using 10,000 pitches up in little league right. <laughs> instead of learning how to throw and then play different sports. And then, you know, running, you know, running into those 10,000 pitches, maybe in the majors or, you know, because of their training and their, and their base they they don't ever hit that 10,000 pitch plateau. Um, but, but generally you, you've got so many movements in your body that, that you have, and these kids are spending it earlier and earlier and they're peaking sooner and sooner. And I think that's my theory is, I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing people blow up early. Right. You know, there's a lot more cra- catastrophic injuries because, kids don't have a base and they're getting to high school. You know, a lot of these kids are peaking in college, peaking in high school instead of peaking in professional sports. Like they used to peak, you know, used to peak a lot later, like right. in the NFL, they would hit their peak and now they're peaking, you know, in high school or college. Yeah. My, uh, my brother-in-law played or, or sooner with baseball. Right. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law played baseball in college and a great athlete. You know, he's like the conference all-time leader in doubles and RBIs. You know, this amazing baseball player. But he, he hated working out. He never worked out, and he never squatted. He never did anything. Well, he now he owns a gym uh, down in Houston, and he's back squatting like almost 400 pounds. He's front squatting 350. I mean, he he just he just sent me a video. He cleaned uh, squat clean 300 with no like wrist wraps. I mean, it's like and and we were working out over Thanksgiving together, and you know where where here I am coming from this football background where I've already done heavy squats a lot and done all these heavy cleans and I'm sort of kind of trying to get my strength back and and he's all like man I've wasted like 10 years that I could have been lifting I'm like no the reason that you're lifting you're squatting 400 is because you haven't like you started late and like you are yeah it's like you said you're peaking now and it's just like I just cannot get over the fact so I'm hoping that's my wife's brother so my son favors me as his baby pictures and stuff so i'm hoping that he has my like look genes and the and the barker uh, athletic genes uh <laughs> that's that's what i'm going for so anyway okay so tell me about the misfits uh i know about it and i've uh I, I send it to i text that link to to different friends of mine that are that are women and uh, but uh, yeah explain what that is um well basically it's just a group of ladies that train here that um just we they started doing class and and they started we just basically every woman i train strength trains like whether they like it or not you know they just they get tricked into it they come to me <laughs> wanting to look better and feel better and i'm like well we're going to start with body weight stuff we're going to push the prowler and before you know it they're doing deadlifts with a kettlebell and then before you know it you know they're moving to a bar and before you know it they're squatting their body weight and then all of a sudden oh wow you know holy cow i just squatted 200 pounds and i didn't i don't even know what happened you know so um we kind of trick them all into lifting weights. And then a one of them, you know, was a couple of them were like, really liked it. And we we're like, you know, Hey, there's a powerlifting meet, uh, a NASA powerlifting meet, a natural powerlifting meet here, you know, locally. Why don't we go do it? And there was a bunch of them that decided to, to do it together and they decided to kind of team up and create a blog and, uh, that's it. And so they, they, um, you know, 
train. They do two meets a year. Their number one concern is 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 health, and my number one concern for them is health. And so we're you know always underlifting a little bit, and I'm always you know making sure that they they're working within their ability, and we're not overreaching with them. And you know one of the things like I don't teach like that really hard bench arch that you'll see people doing uh, because you know I, if they get 15 pounds more on their bench but hurt their back, it really doesn't you know that's not really you know I don't really care. Oh yeah, 15 pound PR but a bad back, you know. Right. So you- I'd rather have the bench a little bit a little bit less and 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 be a little bit safer. Um, so that's basically the premise behind them. And, and they're just basically educating Molly and I, our number one passion right now is to teach women, every woman, it doesn't matter whether they're running marathons or they're, they're doing Zumba classes or every woman from the age of like, you know, from you know, young 10, 12, all the way up to, you know, 90 years old needs to do some form of strength training. And for some people that could be working out, you know, doing floor stuff. For other people that's deadlifting, um, they need to do something to get them stronger because they, they just need to. Like women don't, strength doesn't come naturally for women. It comes very naturally for men. Um, but women need to work on that uh, particular, you know, most importantly. So. Right. Okay, Molly, I'll ask you this. And, uh, and since you guys work with a lot of women, uh, I would assume this is something that comes up. My wife, uh, she just you know had her third kid. This one, because it was the uh, high-risk deal, she had to do a C-section. It was, it was six and a half weeks ago. So she's going to get cleared on Thursday, most likely, to start exercising again. And I've been telling her. You know, she's very fit. You know, she's got those genes that I was mentioning earlier. So she's like this freak athlete. People are always like, when when, when are you working out? Like, how, do, how much do you work out? And she's like, I vacuum like once a day. That's about all I'm doing. <laughs> as far as exercising, you know, like that's my exercise. And she's just like kind of naturally ripped. But like what, what like would you tell someone like that? Okay, six weeks out from a uh, – giving birth and why is lifting heavy like going to help? Like what, what, what would you tell someone in that position? Um, well, I mean, yeah, like you said, we, we, uh, do encounter a lot of women, you know, most women that we work with come to us, you know, before, actually before they're pregnant and they'll get pregnant while they're doing class. And so we have, an wow, while they're doing class, them. like during the class, they'll get pregnant during That's, the class. I told you we wow. were from an adult video <laughs> store. So <you laughs> the poster is still on the wall. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, we, we've worked with some women like who weren't training with us before they, you know, before they had their babies. But for the most part, you know, the, at least my experience with women who've had babies, they've been training throughout their entire pregnancy. Um, and you know, we know, and actually we just posted an article on girls gone strong today, which is, um, a website that I run with a couple other ladies, just trying to put the best, uh, nutrition training, fitness lifestyle information out there for females. We literally just posted an article today, busting five major myths of strength training and pregnancy cool and yeah, um, yeah it's really awesome it's just girlsgonestrong.com but you know there's uh there's some arguments against strength training because people say you know that the, the hormone relaxin is being produced and you know everything in the woman's body is is softening and kind of stretching out in preparation for labor but you know that's even more of an argument to to train while you're pregnant um so that you can you can stay strong and you can stay stable and you can keep your core really strong to help offset you know the extra 25 30 pounds that your body is going to be carrying just on the front side um and you know it's important after a woman has a baby to to start off pretty slow. Um, listen to her body. You know her body's just been through a ton of changes, and especially if she's currently breastfeeding. You know there's a, there's a whole bunch of other hormonal changes going on. But um, getting their core back is so 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 important. Uh, Mike Robertson, the the guy in Indianapolis that Jim alluded to earlier. 
was telling me a few months ago that um, his wife just had their second baby, that the United States is one of the only countries that does not have a three-month rehab protocol for women huh. after they have babies wow. to put their core back together. Huh. And, you know, we talk a lot about posture and breathing and stuff at J&M and how the diaphragm is supposed to face the pelvic floor and, you know, how the, the core is this canister, this trunk that's supposed to be in this particular alignment. And... Um, you know, as a woman gets bigger during her pregnancy, the the ribs flare up, and kind of the pelvic floor starts to starts to tilt, tilt down, down. Yeah. and so you get in what we call this open scissor position. You know, and the rectus abdominis is stretching out, and so um, focusing on breathing and putting the core back together is going to be one of the most important things. Women in general don't know how to use their core or brace their core properly and um and especially after just stretching everything out and carrying so much weight on the front side of the body that's going to be number one because if if the core is functioning properly in general we see everything else up and down the kinetic chain working more the way that it's supposed to you know there's certain areas of the body that are supposed to be more mobile so they're supposed to have more movement and certain areas of the body that are supposed to be more stable and because the body is such a great compensator, and thank goodness it is, because, you know, if we couldn't move just because everything wasn't functioning in perfect alignment, then we'd all be screwed. So, I mean, I am grateful that the body is a, comp is a good compensator, but if, if, you know, you've got dysfunction in your core, if you're not using it the way that you're supposed to, it can cause, you know, we see women, you know, their hips lock up or their adductors get really tight or their neck and their, you know, thoracic locks up because the body's just searching for stability somewhere, anywhere. So. You know, if you've just had a baby and you're looking to kind of get back in the gym, you've got to find a qualified professional who can help you kind of start building yourself back from from the from the inside, from the center, and from the inside out in order to stay safe cool. um, and and be able to get stronger over the long haul without hurting yourself. Cool. And before we're coming up on time, and before I get to the final question, I just sort of want to recap that that from what i'm hearing you saying and and it's kind of the same message that you hear from others in this sort of the same camp is that to move like a healthy human is to move slow a lot there's a lot of walking uh it's to lift heavy things and it's to be mobile and and to work on your flexibility is that is that pretty much what you guys preach in a nutshell more or less um i i would say we to to move like a healthy the lifting heavy things I, I think you have to be careful with that because you have someone just lift a weight and they don't know how to do it properly right. you're going to reinforce bad patterns right so lift heavy so things correctly it should yeah should lift them well and yeah. and you know what and the lifting heavy things could be your body at first right but that's the whole idea is if the lifting heavy things is your body, it's relative. you yeah. get used to that and then you go to the next level and you constantly improve. Um, and flexibility, just because you're really flexible doesn't mean you're healthy. Right. I would use the word stability okay. um, because if you have stability, you're going to be able to move in the ways you need to move. Right. Just because you can bend yourself into a pretzel <laughs> doesn't mean that you're that you're healthy. Well, yeah. and the and the more mobile that you are, the stronger you need to be to be able to control your movement. Right. You know, like my sister, for example, is extremely hypermobile. You know, she's the type that can clasp her hands together and take them over her head and come all the way around her back. Oh, and gosh. you know, she's she can stand on like a six to eight inch platform, bend over and touch the ground 
and let her arms go slack. I mean, it's just crazy, but she feels tight all the time. And that's why she right. stretches so much is because she feels her, her everything in her body feels really tense and tight because her poor body is searching for huh. stability from somewhere. That's interesting. And so it's, tr it's trying to lock up in all these different places because it feels really unstable and unsteady. And so, you know, that's why she feels like she needs to stretch all the time, you know, because she doesn't work out. She's just this hyper mobile person. And so the body's like looking for it somewhere. And so it locks up in different areas and feels really tense and tight all the time. Okay. So now the final question and this question that I ask everyone on the show, <laughs> what is something that you guys, and you can, you can go, uh, you know, obviously go separately here, but what is something that you guys enjoy about life or something that you do to make life more enjoyable? Um, I think the more I slow down, the more I enjoy life. Um, like going fishing and, and sitting and taking time, going outside and relaxing. Um, I think that allows me to appreciate what I have instead of getting caught up in our modern lifestyle, you know, with all the cell phones and Twitter and, you know, all this stuff and everything I've got going on at the gym. You know, for me to truly enjoy life is slowing down and taking time to actually become mindful um, I've really focused on trying to to live in the moment as opposed to living in the past or the present or living my life through the internet. Um, so the more mindful I become, the more enjoyable life becomes. That's and right. I think that's something that uh, Western civilization has completely lost all touch with reality on. Right. And we, we ran out of time. I was going to talk to you about the Brainwave app, which is I'm, I use almost daily because of you, because uh, <laughs> I heard you just kind of mention cool. it like kind of on the side on something. And I went and looked it up and started using it. So and I've had great results with it. Awesome. So, anyway. Okay. So Molly, go. Oh my gosh. Jim totally stole mine. That's such <laughs> crap. Um, how am I supposed to follow that? No. Um, you Ro roller coasters. I have yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, I really do. I agree in terms of being mindful and slowing down. I struggle with that a whole lot. You know, a lot of my business is on the internet. Um, you know, um, I've always been kind of a overachiever, overdoer, go, go, go. And, um, and so I'm, I'm trying and working really hard on slowing down. I remember Jim told me one of the hardest things he ever had to do was to sit quietly for five minutes. Right. And I totally agree with that. Um, one of the things that I enjoy so much and makes me so happy, and this is going to sound ridiculous, is food. <laughs> I love food. I have loved food for as long as I can remember. I've thought about food. I've dreamed about food. When I hear <laughs> someone's engaged, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I wonder what they're going to have at the wedding <laughs> to eat. And that's not an exaggeration. But I think it's a really important um thing to to talk about and for people to know you know people say oh that's so it's so easy for you to eat well you're in the fitness industry or or they feel like that enjoying food is a bad thing or thinking about food is a bad thing um you know it's it's the way that i i kind of can relax and unwind sometimes it's it's what I do with my friends and family to, you know, kind of celebrate. I think it's a very human thing to, uh, you know, to celebrate with food and to eat food and to enjoy yeah. food. You know, it's sustenance, it's, it's pleasure, it's all of these different things. And it's something, like I said, that I enjoy a whole lot. And, uh, you know, it's something that I, that I use or do when, when I interact with, with friends and family, which is one of my favorite things. You know, I don't really go out. I don't really party. I don't watch TV. My boyfriend and I don't even have a TV hooked up in our house. <laughs> Um, but we enjoy each other and we enjoy food. And again, that's how I enjoy things with my friends and family as well. Um, and so, and I think being able to enjoy that is, is one of the best things in life. So, 
that's uh that's one of mine awesome well that's great and we are right up on time and i just uh, want to again thank y'all for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us and hopefully we can maybe have y'all on again at some point in the future that, that would be great, great. Thank if you. anybody yeah. wants any more information on us uh, jmstrength.com you can find molly's blog my blog as well as a link to our train like a girl seminar that's coming up in february cool. yes and yeah. it's actually j m right I, I, yes uh, yeah. i will i will link yeah. to that Sorry. in the show notes and, no, uh, and make sure that everybody knows where they can find you because they they will yes. want to find you so thank you well thank you so much for having us we appreciate it Big thanks to Jim and Molly again for sharing their time and their wisdom with us. I'll have links to all that stuff we talked about in the show notes. Now it's time for the Humans Being Human segment, which is just going to be me reading a story I wrote about a horrible experience I had in the Bahamas several years ago. Hope you enjoy this. 90 minutes. One hour and another half of one hour. I was devastated. The one thing I wanted to do at my college roommate's wedding at an all-inclusive resort in the Bahamas was snorkel. I had always wanted to swim in crystal clear water, smooth as glass, while gazing at the colorful fish and sea anemones, gracefully navigating the waters below, missing out on that peacefully serene moment where I would connect my soul and spirit with the sea and universe was something I had not prepared myself to handle. I had my cash ready, but was too late getting to the sign-up stand. I didn't think the excursion filling up was a possibility. I pouted that night, my new wife seeing a side of me she hadn't seen. The five-year-old pouty side. That night I dreamed of orange and red-colored fish, electric eels winding and twisting through coral. I dreamed of the warm, salty water softly and gently passing over my limbs, as I took in the miracle of sea life and all of creation, I jump roped with a jellyfish. I woke up in a cold sweat and sauntered outside to face another bleary day in the Bahamas. Soon after plopping down on my rented beach chair where I thought I would spend the rest of this miserable day, I was approached by a frantic friend. Quick, a spot just opened up. You can snorkel. Mark, you can snorkel. Disbelief turned to action as I shot out of the chair, ran up the stairs to my room, and grabbed the cash I had set aside for the snorkel trip, which I had planned to use now instead to wipe the tears away from my face. Dashing like a reindeer back down the stairs, bursting out the door, slamming the money into the hands of the boat's captain. Thank you, man. We leave in five minutes. I ran to my wife, kneeled before her like a medieval knight, and kissed her like I had never kissed her. My life was again complete, my dreams coming true. I was going snorkeling in the Bahamas. This, my friends, the best day ever. I barely listened to the captain giving his instructions. All I cared about was getting my fins, my mask, and my snorkel. About 15 people were on the rather small boat. Most of the group from the wedding party and maybe a half a dozen complete strangers. Not the yacht I had imagined, but this was fine. It's not about the boat. It's about the snorkeling. We headed out. Kind of choppy right here at first, obviously, because we have to get out past the break. But after a smooth ride past the break, we'll come to that enchanted cove. 
where mermaids will be feeding me sushi on petals of nori. I started to get a little queasy. Nothing to worry about, just a few more minutes and it's snorkel time, smooth sailing. We cleared the white water and started to slow. Hmm. Must be another boat up ahead or a swimmer out here. Maybe some engine trouble? Wait a second. Are we stopping? Just right here, right past the break on the choppiest, most turbulent part of God's entire ocean? The engine is dead? Perfect. This is just this is just my luck. I want my money back. This is an outrage. But why is no one else upset? Why is the captain acting like everything is okay? Because, you see, everything is okay. This is it. This is where we snorkel. God, what have I done? People start putting on their fins and masks. El Capitan is barking out instructions. I look to the beach for something still to look at. It does no good. One minor issue that I should mention here is I deal with motion sickness. I get sick reading in a parked car. Seriously. I can't read emails and walk at the same time. I have thrown up more times in the back seats of minivans than I care to talk about. I carry tissues with me on road trips so that I can balance them on my head when I start to inevitably get sick. I always have to sit in the front seat and have the cold air blowing right in my face or I'll puke. I'm that guy. Back on the boat, the waves are only getting bigger. The first of the group starts jumping in as I start violently throwing up over the side of the vessel into the serene ocean. Not small, gentle hurls, mind you. Hurls so violent that I was forced to scream the vomit out. And the vomit wasn't some rice and salad. It was two days worth of all-inclusive buffet food. Chili, pasta, ham, roast beef, prime rib, mustard, pina coladas, french fries, ice cream, chocolate cake, salsa, peppers, fortune cookies. You name it, I had eaten it within the last 24 hours, and it was all returning in a stew of death and vileness. My violent screaming hurls could not go unnoticed within the tiny boat. Within a matter of seconds, others on the boat start to vomit, not at their motion sickness, but at my disgusting and wretched noises, about a dozen people on the boat are hurriedly getting their gear on so they can get away from the shirtless, sunburned vomit factory. But here I was, ready to snorkel, my life's dream, just feet away. Somehow, getting my fins and mask on, I slipped my snorkel over my head and jumped in, sort of fell in. Maybe being in the water would help. It didn't. It didn't help at all. On top of my horrendous motion sickness, I now started choking on, swallowing, and vomiting ocean water. Each wave that passed would go completely over my head. I found my way over to the anchor line because to not have anything to hold on to at this point would have meant floating away to certain death. As I struggled to breathe and to stay alive, I was attracting all types of various sea life with the chunks of cake and stuffed crab that were escaping from the large hole in my face. For the next 90 minutes, one hour, and another half of one hour, I held on to the anchor line. I never let go. Not one time. I couldn't possibly end anyone else's dream early. I had to get it out. 
my comrades diving in and out of the ocean like filthy sea otters laughing and giggling in all their disgusting joy. I couldn't end their adventure, so I hung on. Ninety minutes, one hour, and another half of one hour, I vomited every few seconds. Stomach bile after a few minutes, then ocean water that I was choking down. After I was completely cleared out, I hung on to that anchor line. I never let it go, not one time. At one point, the captain starts trying to throw ice chips into my mouth. I half-heartedly lunged at them with my neck as they harmlessly fell into the warm ocean and quickly melted away, just feet from me. What good would they have done anyway? About 30 minutes in, I prayed for a shark to come and take my life. I literally prayed out loud, Lord, please let a shark appear and kill me. Not do anything, just please. And this... I was at a low point, to say the least. Through the rope burn on my hand from hanging on to the frayed anchor lines surging violently in the chop, to the ice chips falling into the sea around my haggard face, to the snorkel and mask which never once entered my mouth or covered my eyes, respectively, to the fish that got a nice mid-morning vomit snack. Through it all, I swayed to the right and to the left. I rose and fell, tittered and tottered with the giant waves as they readied to break onto the surf. 90 minutes, one hour and another half of one hour. Finally, it was over. The captain dropped his ice chips and blew the whistle. The giddy sea otters playfully jumped back onto the boat just in time to drag my lifeless, limp body on board before anchor was raised and we headed for the beach. I was assisted out of the boat and fell limply onto the dry beach. I crawled the fifty or so yards to my rented beach chair where my lovely wife had been sitting, waiting to hear of my glorious adventure, the knight returning from his triumph. My approach at first amused, then alarmed her after she realized I wasn't joking. I lay there under a large umbrella for the next ten hours, the waves of death still rolling slowly and swellingly over me. It wasn't until the sunset that night that the land became still enough for me to stand upright and walk in a straight line, and it wasn't until morning that I felt good enough to eat. I haven't been snorkeling since, nor have I even thought about the possibility of maybe snorkeling at any point ever in the future. I hate snorkeling, and anyone who snorkels is a demon from hell. 90 minutes, one hour, and another half of one hour. All right, I hope that will make the rest of your day better because you can think, you know what, at least I'm not snorkeling. Okay, it's time for the Simply Human Tip of the Week, something you can start doing right now to be a more healthy human. And I know we touched on this a little last week, but I got an email from a listener cluing me in to justgetflux.com. And I'll have links to that in the show notes. This is something you can download to your computer. Flux makes your computer screen look like the room you're in all the time. When the sun sets... It makes your computer look like your indoor lights. In the morning, it makes things look like sunlight again. Tell Flux what kind of light lighting you have and where you live, then forget about it. Flux will do the rest automatically. That's straight from their website. So I highly recommend downloading this program if you're going to be perusing the internet after dark. You can also uh, jailbreak your iPhone or iPad and put it on there, but do that at your own risk. All right, thanks for listening. 
to this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. Coming up next time, it's an interview with Eva T of Eva T Strength and Conditioning. She's an Olympian, a Masters Powerlifting Champion. That's coming up on the 21st. Then on the 28th, we'll be joined by the great Ben Greenfield of bengreenfieldfitness.com. So lots of great guests lined up for the show uh, for the rest of the year and going into the new year. So you can find me online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. There are links to the Facebook page, YouTube channel, Simply Human Kids page. Follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52, the number 52. Or you can email me questions, comments, concerns at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. Please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, good or bad. Any publicity is good publicity. And thanks for listening. There are a lot of options out there uh, right now, and we appreciate you making me and us part of your day. So that'll do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember... We uh, do encounter a lot of women. You know, most women that we work with come to us, you know, before, actually before they're pregnant, and they'll get pregnant while they're doing class. And so we have an Wow, while they're doing class, them. like during the class, they'll get pregnant? During That's... the class. I told you we wow. were from an adult video <laughs> store. So, you <laughs> the know. poster's still on the wall. <laughs> so, yeah. so until next time, enjoy yourself.